Welcome back to the SFBCPC S1. That's an abbreve for Sci Fi Book Club Podcast Season 1. On today's ep, we'll be talking about Ender's Game, written by Orson Scott Card in Earth Year 1985. Wolf child. Wolf child. I'm your host, Brent Aldrich, and joining me as always via holographic projection, it's John Love. Hi, John. Hello. Are you excited, John, about the big game? The, the big game? The bowl. The, oh, yeah. Uh, the co- cosmic bowl. Of course. I'm always excited for the cosmic bowl. My favorite team, the Wolf Childs, are playing. Yeah, who are they playing against? The Dogmen. Wait, is this another episode? Uh, welcome back to the special pregame SFBCPC. Joining me as always, it's John Love. Hi, John. Hello. Who we got, are you? A, we got a great game. Got a great game going on this year, though. Wolf Childs are playing the Dogmen. I think the Dogmen are strong this year. They've got the Blitzers and the Passers. And it's the funny dog, that they're called the Wolf Childs and not the Wolf Children. Yep, they're the Wolf Childs, and they're they came to win, came to play, came to win. We'll check in later on this special pregame episode. See ya. Hi, John. Hello. <laughs> What's well, up? Well, it's funny that it's the big pregame episode because what we're talking about today is Ender's Game. Yep. Games all over the place. This is game weekend. It only makes sense. Big game weekend. That's the only transition that's worked. On this podcast ever. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. it feels weird that we're so topical. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, do you know, do you see over there who's partially joining us this episode? Um, partially. <laughs> oh, man. This guy again. You're... <laughs> yes, hello. Hey, what's up? Hey, yep, that, I, just see, I just see a floating pair of lips. They're, they belong to me. Who? Adam. Adam oh, Dick. Of course. My uh, I thought somebody else was using your lip portal. Oh. <laughs> nope. Just for my lips. It only works <laughs> on my DNAs. <laughs> for these lips only, universe. So it, it, it's like a one of those retinal scanners, but for lips... Yeah, that's how you get into it. That's how you start. So you got to press your lips to the to the lip scanner, and then uh, it'll slowly suck you in, mm-hmm. very slowly. Uh, you might you might get you know cheeks in a few minutes. Sounds yeah. like a great time. <laughs> Getting sucked in, kissing on your hardware. It's great. Yeah. yeah, and just a reminder. The weird thing is, I'm guessing what you're saying. I can't hear you yet. 
My ears oh, have to yeah. pass through. Yeah. That, that yeah. is the weird thing. Well, with that being said, uh, who do you who you predicting to win the big game? The Wolf Childs or the Dogmen? Cool. I think the Wolf Childs are going to be strong this year. Wolf Childs. Excellent, excellent prediction on what we were talking about. Yeah. Well, uh, Adam, have you listened or have you read uh, this book, Ender's Game? I sure have. I have. Thoughts. Give a full synopsis in 30 seconds. It's a real good book. Uh, it's a real good book. Um, probably one of, the good first, book. one of the first books I read as a space child. Uh, got me into science fiction, actually. Did it really? It did, yeah. How old of a space child were you? Uh, I was a 91 space child. This is an 85 space book. Earth book. But you were a 91 space child, just to clear that up. (laughs) Yeah. No further questions. Yeah, it's crystal (laughs) crystal clear to me. Well, why do you think that this book resonated with you so much? Because it's about children and you were a space child when you read it? Yeah, I was was like uh, 10 or 12 when I read it. And um, just the fact that a kid was kind of the the main character. And it was the... The, the battles, you know, felt like a video game or a sport. Uh, so it was really easy to latch onto like that. And I also, you know, when I reread it a few times, like the themes of like genocide and alien that genocide. Yeah, <laughs> the mysterious other of the aliens. It's got, I think it's got a lot of stuff. So wait, you've actually read this book more than once? Yeah. This is also unprecedented on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we've never really had an expert uh, before. It's just been us pulling bullshit out and trying to make it work. And thank goodness it will continue that way forever. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> John, did you hear that? Of course I did. My ears are in the pod. A rapping, a rapping on the pod. <laughs> a rapping Dothic code. Well, I can't open the door because I don't have corporeal hands, so you better get it. Uh, yeah, let me let me walk over there. <laughs> Hello! Hello, this is Officer Paul Quavax. I'd like to come board the pod. John, cheese it. I think it's the pigs, space pigs. <laughs> What's cheese it mean? Somebody <laughs> shoved my lip back through. I'm going to throw Cheez-Its out of the door and hope they go away. This episode brought to you by (laughs) Cheez-Its. And we're back. And we're back. Uh, Hello, stranger. Please state your name and show me some identification. Uh, I should be asking you the same question. I'm Officer Paul Quizlax. I'm uh, looking for a, a notorious bounty hunter. The Wiggler, who is uh, notorious around these parts, so I'm part of the Federation of Planets Police Force. The Wiggler, you say? Yeah, he's he's at large right now. How large? We have a small Wiggler at large in these parts. Oh, he's very small, but he's at large. He himself is small, but his exploits are... Larger than life. Oh my goodness. So, I heard tell he may be on this very ship. I don't know. 
I often get faulty information, though, so that may not come to be. Well, I guess all your paperwork checks out. We have to let you on the pod. Does um, Does the Wiggler leave any sort of, like, calling card or something? Like, how would we know if he was actually on our ship? It's kind of a gooey trail, almost like a snail trail. He uh, yeah. he just kind of squirms about. So if, if there's any kind of goo... Uh, we, John, John, we got lots of goo in the pod, for sure. <laughs> I'll be I mean, very I'm... interested in that. But uh, right, while yeah. I'm checking that out, you guys can go about your business, whatever you were doing before I got here. Um, right. Actually, I just snuck Ooh. in Hello. behind the officer here. The Wiggler! The wiggler? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, no. God. I mean, Identify yourself. I've been known to wiggle, but I'm not the Wiggler. I, I'm a Wiggler. <laughs> Actually, uh, Andrew Wiggler is my name. Hello, Mr. Mr. Wiggler. Yeah. Um, actually, Ender's Game is my favorite book because his name is An- Andrew Wiggins, and uh, I'm Andrew Wiggler. So. Oh. Ender- yeah. Everybody else has a much better reason for reading and liking this book than I do. <laughs> so, Mr. Wiggler. Yeah. Uh, were you spying on us? Actually, uh, I was just following this uh, bounty hunter here, trying to oh, pick up which guy, whatever bounties he's picking up before he gets them. Just kind of trailing sure. him. You're wiggling the wiggler <laughs> a little bit. Trailing the wiggler, just following that slime trail throughout trailing the galaxy. The yeah. Well, your paperwork also checks out. <laughs> Your bounty hunter paperwork. So I guess we have to let you on the pod. Excellent. All right, while you're here, I guess we'll just talk about this book all together and keep an eye out for the Wiggler. Yeah. And Officer Paul Quiglax, uh, you just look around or? Yeah, I'll be poking around any gooey corners. Uh, So don't mind me, I'll pipe in since I too have read that book. Um, If I have anything interesting to say while I investigate. Well, don't, don't let us get in the way of your investigation. investigation. I sure. won't. Are you related to uh, Paul Blart by any chance? He's the most famous cop that I can think of. You know, a uh, funny thing, actually, yes. Um, I don't talk about it a lot, but it's kind of a third cousin, twice removed sort of sort of thing. There, th- we are related by blood, but it's very thinned by this point. Makes sense. That, that checks out. So, Officer Quiglax, you said you've read Ender's Game previously. I ha- I have read that book, yes. Approximately how many times? Um, easily a half dozen, but uh, I could say up 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 to ten, somewhere in that range, six to ten times. And Mister Wiggler, how, how many, many times, times have you read Ender's Game? About the same number, I'd say. Yeah, probably. Uh, two or three times before I graduated from high school and maybe three or four more times since. So I'm going to shut the hell up and you guys talk amongst yourself. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I mean, I never feel like we really have any particular authority on any of the books and now it's even more so. So this this might be an interesting one. Mm -hmm. I might just go look for the Wiggler. You guys can just do your thing. (laughs) 
I mean, yeah, I'll tag you in on the investigation. I could deputize you right now. Whoa. <laughs> was, what's the job? Is there a ceremony? What happens? Yeah, let's, let's do the big ceremony that every officer does when deputizing a citizen. This is my dream. Now that the playing of the official song of the Federation of the Planets Police force has been played i hereby by the power of this universe and the pod that i am in right now i bequeath upon you a status of temporary deputy fourth class uh for the duration of the following 38 39 minutes uh wipe this goo on your holographic forehead and you're good to go Congratulations, John. This is a big day. This is a big day. I've never had goo wiped on my holographic forehead before. Doesn't Um, really work out too well, but... So I have 38 or 39 minutes until I lose all of my authority. Right. It sounds like you're going to have to find them. I kind of want to just spend the next 38 minutes um, reciting my very, very long uh, speech that I had planned for an occasion like this. Uh, but I'll spare that because the, this wiggler has no more room to wiggle, and he will be found by the end of this 38 minutes. Thank you, universe. All right. I'd vote for that guy. Um, all right. So, yeah, wiggle on. I'm going to go check out some slime trails. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll say this was the first time I've ever read this book, um, and so I came to it cold. The heat was broken. Um, and so I, I really had almost no ideas going into this, except that hopefully it would be about games. Um, so for me, you know, I, um, I will say it was nice to have almost no idea what I was getting into with this one. And, and so the entire time it was actually brand new for me. Whereas it seems like for the rest of you, um, it's probably quite the opposite, which, I don't know, it might be interesting. One thing I thought was neat was somehow the story is is just so compelling. It kind of really drags you in. I remember the first time I read it, I didn't even notice I was getting toward the end of the book. He's playing yeah. these games, and I never stopped to think, well, this whole war has to be resolved now in ten more pages. He hasn't even stopped playing games yet. So kind of the ending really caught me by surprise almost as much as him maybe and i it just really struck me Mm -hmm. so yeah should we do what we normally do on the podcast and just spoil the whole book immediately and talk about (laughs) that twist ending it's real life yeah yeah all real (laughs) this this documentary known as ender's game Mm -hmm. oh yeah have have either of you were either or any of you ever um just did you ever play these reindeer games uh, yourselves? Are you asking? Are you asking me? Sorry, I'm uh, poking this slime trail. I only caught the last end of that. Yeah, my no, eyes you... haven't come through yet. I don't know who you're looking at. <laughs> you, John, you keep on the case. Uh, okay. Uh, Adam, you weren't when you said that you read this book as a '91 space star child. Did you mean that you actually were one of these little children playing playing games? 
no, no. Okay. No, I was just mentioning uh, the space year I was born. I didn't read it the space year that I was born. It would be pretty impressive. Well, not if you were an ender. A third. True. Yeah, if I was, that was maybe Andrew Wiggins. That would be pretty impressive. Is this podcast gold right now? Yes. All right. You're welcome, universe. Sorry, I'll get back to my case. So I did find a bunch of slime, and it was pretty heavily concentrated in one area of the pod. But I think that's where we normally keep uh, the worms that we feed Dyson. Oh, yeah. Hey, let me let me go check on our friend Dyson real quick. I'll be right back. Okay. Oh, no, John! Yeah, yeah? Dyson's missing! He's, Dyson's out, he's, missing. Out, he's out of his time cage. He's not in there. Well, now I'm torn, because I swore to the galaxy that I would find the Wiggler, and now I have to find Dyson. The the, the search for Dyson. <laughs> it's, it's an exciting multiple-episode uh, narrative that will weave through the next several episodes, it sounds like. Yeah, so you're welcome, Galaxy, because we're providing you all this amazing free entertainment. When, when was the last time you saw him? Uh, I fed him his worms this morning at uh, 6.45 space time. Like always? Yeah. And he ate, all, he ate all seven of the worms, and then he said thank you and said, so I'm glad that you keep me in this time cage. I really enjoy it. Uh, and then he read some of his fan mail, and that, and then I left the room, and that's it. Interesting. All right. Well, you commenced the search for the Wiggler, and then shortly thereafter, the search for Dyson. Could the two be related? We'll Perhaps. see. Perhaps. Maybe the Wiggler, his uh, his bounty to be hunt to, to hunt was uh, was Dyson. Oh, you think so? Oh. I don't know. Compelling. How compelling. You know what that is? That's so compelling. <laughs> it really is. That's going to be my only report back on the case by the end of the show is probably, man, I don't know. if I didn't really make any uh, major discoveries, but damn, it was compelling. That's what we aim for. Yeah, ultimately, that's what you want. I feel pretty right. compelled over here. <laughs> I'm compelled to spoil the end of this book. Okay, spoil away. So... Ender is at that time, at the very end of the book, like 12, 13? Thereabouts. Thereabouts. And he kills all the buggers. Uh, even though he thought he was just playing a game and training to kill the buggers, he was actually killing them. And he blows up their home planet. The end. So now nobody has to listen beyond this point. Yeah, this is, again, <laughs> the point of the podcast. Turn it Services off. is a very, very short audiobook for Ender's Game. So I, I will say, and this is probably just because you and I have been deep in the throes of reading science fiction. When I got to the point in the book when it was time for Ender's final test, that was the point at which I felt like I figured it out and knew what was happening. Um, I was like, okay, I see what this is. I get your twist. However, prior to that, when he was what training with that other that old guy Mazer Rackham. Yep. Mm -hmm. Him. 
that whole training, testing, I did not realize what was going on in terms of him actually actually fighting real wars and not just war games. Uh, yeah, I would say something similar. Right around that same time that you mentioned, I mean, maybe even slightly before the very final, like, you have to blow up the planet thing. But, um, but yeah, I definitely got an inkling that he had been actually battling them the whole time. Because then I think all of the training and stuff that he had done previously when he was actually at the battle school made more sense. B- yeah, because it seems like they were going to try and like trick him into yeah, getting prepared for this thing the whole time before. So it kind of then peril like was a parallel to what happened at the end. So so yeah, I think but maybe since everybody else here has read the book when they were much younger, mm-hmm. uh, that would be I don't know, it, it maybe is a little bit easier to not see it coming mm-hmm. on some level. So basically, I'm way smarter than you guys were when you were little dumbasses. <laughs> yeah. True, true. I remember being totally surprised. Uh... Yeah, for sure. I was expecting a Deus Ex Machina to like uh, just wipe out the buggers, but no, yeah, it was, it was just a scheme by all the adults. Mm-hmm. <laughs> stupid adults, <laughs> right? Now we are those stupid adults, which is pretty sad. Yeah, just tricking kids constantly. Into <laughs> genociding entire <laughs> alien civilizations. Yep. I keep promising I won't do that again, but keep tricking kids. How many kids, kids have you tricked into that, would you say? To, to the nearest ten. In the last week? Uh, it, about ten. Yeah, ten kids. So don't go near ten, the... Yeah. Ten genocides? Yeah, there was this nebula, it had a lot of civilizations that needed genociding. And it just, those kids were so easy. It's just (laughs) fish in a barrel, man. (laughs) But that's part of my police duty. Random genocides. I think I signed up for the wrong police force. (laughs) You'll fall in line, deputy. Actually, I have a question. Of of all these races that, that you've been genociding... How many legs do you think each person had? Like, were they planets of like octopus-like people, or were they were they like you know normal two-legged, standard, beautiful human beings? Or All what, one of what them was the story? had five or more legs. So. I'm so happy about this. Yeah, I'm. I signed up for the exactly <laughs> correct police force. For those of you who don't know, and maybe I should have, like, this is the only thing that's on my resume. Uh, so I should have showed you this ahead of time, but I hate any being with more or less than two legs vehemently. And so all I can say is they had it coming. Universe, you decide. By the amount of hate mail I get, I think the universe has decided. That's right, you get so much hate mail now. I know, for every letter of fan mail that Dyson gets, I get three pieces of hate mail. Speaking of, the Wiggler, how many legs? Or is it just like a worm creature? Uh, do we know? What's the lead on the Wiggler? Uh, he's actually mostly made up of legs. So it's, I mean, in the in the thousands. Oh, disgusting. Guy, thousands of legs. You could argue one leg, though. One multifaceted leg. Very wiggly. Hard to Either, hard to either way, it's, it's not two. <laughs> Yeah, as long as it's not two, I don't really give a shit. He's going down. I don't think there's any way it can be construed as two legs exactly. Excellent. Yeah, now now I don't even care where Dyson is. I'm going after the Wiggler for sure. 
Do we have a timer running? Do we know how much longer you're a deputy? I feel like you're running oh, out of time. Yeah. We're down to about I'll, 28 minutes. I'll keep you posted. All right. I'm keeping I'm keeping time. John's also the time master. Relativistic time or how fast are we going? We're oh, parked in a we're parking parked right now. <laughs> I feel like I'm going real fast. <laughs> That's just that's just the drugs wearing off. Yeah, what's in this coffee? Spice. The spice from Arrakis. Melange. A little bit of Wiggler goo I found. Just kind of sweeten that up. I think that's probably the secret ingredient in Carolyn's sweet tea, which, as we all know, is the sweetest tea in the galaxy. And we're back. Um... (laughs) So yeah, where uh, where else do we talk about this book? We got the ending. We got all the genocide talk out of the way. I don't know where else there is to go. Well, not only is this book just a great argument for genocide, but it's also an argument for preemptive war. You know, there was a war, we were attacked, and then we got to just wipe out the whole civilization before they even decide they want to attack again. Yeah. Preemptive that's, war and genocide. Absolutely. I mean, that's probably. I don't know Orson Scott Card personally, but I would say that's probably what he wanted everybody to get out of it. Like, we got to strike hard, strike first. Uh, genocide is great, not only okay but fantastic. So, so yeah. I mean, I think we just get him on the podcast. We can just say, "Yep, you guys nailed it," and then right. we'll take off. He actually wrote some op-ed pieces during the Iraq War about how it was justified preemptive war so Hmm. yeah kind of made the book weird for me for about i don't know 12 years while we were in iraq sure so do you think that of all the characters that are in this book that uh orson scott card himself most relates to peter uh i'd say like general graf he's uh, on the strings you know I could see that for sure. Hmm. That's interesting. Adam, what do you think? Who does Orson Scott Card most uh, care about, empathize with, relate to? I'm not sure. Uh, the way, I mean, our protagonist is is Ender, and, right? Uh, and it feels like he's the he's the good guy. So let's say so I'd say he agrees with Ender. That's what right. it felt like for me earlier when I was younger and even now I don't know it sure. feels like an anti-war yeah. message but the way but the way you just described him uh, writing about justified uh, preemptive war yeah, he I'm not so forth. sure no. so, so Adam you didn't get the uh, the preemptive war is justified message of this book uh, no I, I got it I mean now okay so you're on board I'm on board. <laughs> I am on board. Yeah, uh, I think he myself, most... I have two legs. You should, <laughs> like but I have no disdain for anyone with uh, one or more than two Well, legs. right now I see zero of your legs because only your head is through the portal right now. It's coming. Well, uh, That's what know. they all say. Yeah. I might have a few extra arms. If that doesn't bother you. That's fine. Is, cool. yeah, the more the merrier. I mean, right the important thing, I think, with the preemptive war is that, like, the Hive Queen forgave Ender, just like the Iraqis forgave George W. Bush. True. True. 
Not a lot of people recognize that, but now they're pen pals. <laughs> you heard it here first, universe. Every Iraqi citizen is a pen pal with uh, with George W. Bush now. I read yeah. that. Yeah, he he paints paintings for him. I yeah. love it. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I know we we have a policy of no spoilers for uh, for the people that are listening. Nine hundred years in the past, but uh, but that's one spoiler. George Bush is a pen pal to every Iraqi citizen now. And paints them paintings. It's the one spoiler we're willing to give up. He's more mostly cyborg, George W. Is this mostly cyborg? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he went past his lifespan, so he got uh, mostly cyborg. More like Cy George. (laughs) Got him. Rip. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you can't physically write that many letters and paint that many paintings unless you're some sort of cyborg. So more like I, Cy George. Oh, got him! Oh, man, <laughs> rule of sevens. You need five more times for it to be hilarious. <laughs> you just wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that Orson Scott card probably most relates to Bonzo, mm. the, uh, yeah. the the Spanish uh, fascist. And that's, and that's what it. I liked it's about all... Ender is that he was so conflicted about what he was doing. Every time he would annihilate somebody, he seemed to genuinely feel bad about it. Yeah. So it it is kind of tough to think that this author who does a pretty good job of writing a nuanced mm-hmm. view of this guy who does terrible things and feels really bad about him probably wanted to do more terrible things and not feel bad about him like Bonzo. Right. Yeah, I could definitely see that. But yeah, on that point of the... Well, I mean, I think one of the other themes along with the genocide and all that is is um, sort of the, yeah, the, the spoiling of youth and, and in this sort of future time when apparently youth uh, or kids can be extremely powerful, like kind of geniuses, um, but they, they still don't have... a a big enough worldview to recognize really when and where they're being used and for what purpose. Hmm. Um, I mean, that really is sort of the resolution is that no um, adult general who knew what he was doing uh, could kill all of these people um, preemptively. uh, And so they had to use this kid who does have the ability and the empathy to get inside of their heads mm-hmm. uh, and then also to kill them because he didn't know that he was uh, by the end. He still thought it was a game. So yeah, but yeah, I agree. Like uh, Ender as a character is incredibly nuanced and that really does show like how he was torn in so many different directions um, sort of because he had all this power and in several different ways. Also update, the slime trail has gone cold. That's good. More. That actually means it's the freshest. It warms as it gets older. So oh. cold trail means you're hot on his tail. Oh. He has a tail. Large. He has a tail and a tail. thousands of legs? You're hot on his tail and you're on his tail. So that's You're-er. where that expression comes from. I really hate this Wiggler character. See you guys. I'm going to go drag him down. Yeah, let's hope you catch him. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think that... It- it was an interesting book for me, like I said, never having read it, just to figure out who was who was motivated in what way. And and also just to remember that these were kids in the narrative throughout. I think I very often forgot, like, oh, this is a seven-year-old, for instance. Um, mm-hmm. 
because obviously they're smarter or whatever, but even just to keep that in the back of my mind a lot. And then at the end of the book, by the resolution, they seem like they should be 100 years old, but they're 12. Um, you know, I think that there's there's a few things. I don't want to I don't want to jump in too deep right off. Well, halfway through this podcast, but um, too soon. I, yeah, I know. Save it. Save it for later. I did think that what got really interesting to me, and I know I said this on a very early podcast. I forget what book. But I think with a lot of science fiction for me that has this theme in which humanity might be destroyed by whatever threat, the question for me is always like, so who cares? Like, um, like why, why does it even matter? Why does it even matter if all of humankind is dead? Like, so what? Who cares? And, and so wrestling with that question of like, why is humankind or the earth sometimes why is any of that worth saving i'll have to try to remember john whatever book that was we read that i was frustrated with that in this one though there is this one scene that's a little bit of a break in the games where graf and ender come back to earth for this little break in between the games and they're on a lake and that exact question comes up where Graf is saying, like, I wanted, you, I wanted to bring you back here so you aren't just in this spaceship and you actually remember why Earth is worth saving. And Ender's floating around on a raft and there's, like, crickets and whatever. And he meets with his sister. And there's a line that says something like, and he's talking about his sister in this case, but it's basically the reason why the Earth is worth saving is the the voice of this one girl like that's that's it like that's enough that that in and of itself is is enough reason to save humankind and i can get behind that so i I felt like that this book in that regard answered that question to some extent and i'm gonna sit back and try to remember what book that was where i was really frustrated that i felt like it was a similar dilemma where humankind was going to wiped out but at no point did I ever feel like here's why that matters? Right. Yeah. I feel like when we're with all these authors are writing on such a grand scale, the only, I mean, that's always the problem is like, how do you get the people that are reading this book to get behind your characters, make them think that whatever their struggle is, is worth, you know, struggling for spending time reading the book, et cetera. And that seems like sort of the same goal in this book where Ender wants to save the earth but is struggling with why even he wants to do that. And so I think Orson Scott Card did a good job of getting me to believe in that struggle for, you know, saving humanity um, in that similar way, like making me care about Ender and his struggle, uh, showing how Ender, why he decided it was worth saving, which, yeah, again, was something very, very simple and meaningful only to him, really. So you know it, it was, Adam, you were actually around for this one. It was freaking interstellar. It wasn't a book at all. Oh, it was yeah. a movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I don't know why Matthew McConaughey had to do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why, why, why he was the one? What his motivation was, like, why, I don't know. Well, he still oh, yeah. kind of had his, like, daughter's life to save. Because that's the thing. Yeah. It's like there is no reason on the grand, like, abstract, broad view terms, but... 
for each individual person who's making the decisions to save it, it is like they have their own sort of reason, meaning value that they're placing in things. And therefore it's worth it on a personal scale to people, but not to the universe at large necessarily. Murphy. Murph. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that worked for me. Uh, I got that from the book movie that he uh, cared about his daughter. I, I always, why well, I can't believe we're talking about this now. Sorry. Oh, uh, you're okay. <laughs> I always thought that, um, it's kind of weird that he was like the one chosen to do it. It's kind of weird. Like, why? Why did was he the pilot that had to do it? Did they have another pilot? Because within like half an hour of the movie, he's like he went from a farmer to back in the service or back in the space program. Could we? Could we interview him right now? Could we bring him on and ask him? Yeah, yeah. Um, right, yeah, how are you just, gonna get a hold of him? Uh, you buddies? Matthew McConaughey 3.0 or whatever. Yeah, I was, was going to ask which which yeah, Matthew which McConaughey is alive anymore. 4.9. I, I don't remember. Yeah, we can talk to him. Okay, let's just let's that. just call him in here. Bring bring. Hello. Hello. Matthew Howdy. McConaughey 4.9. Yeah, it's me. Howdy. Are you still driving that space Lincoln? Oh, the space Lincoln is smooth as butter. You know it is. All right. So, question. In the movie Interstellar, yeah, yeah. directed yeah. by Christopher Nolan and starring Matthew McConaughey 1.0, why would you say he was the one chosen to be the pilot to save all of Oh, humanity? Brandon, I'm going to stop you right there. Cancel okay. it real simple. Okay, sorry. Best person ever, Matthew McConaughey. Especially my 1.0 version. Ooh, wee. Uh, excuse me, Matthew McConaughey 4.9. Big fan, by the way. Oh, yeah. uh, do you think you're a little biased to say that? Or is that just an objective truth that he's nah, the best person nah. ever? I mean, you've seen the history books. You from now. I don't read often, and when I do, it's always science fiction. Ah, well. But here's, here's just a theory. Do you think he was the most qualified person because he's been driving so many space Lincolns that he just knows how to handle a vehicle? You know, that's probably true, yeah. Matthew McConaughey is one of the best drivers out there, all right? Right up there with Jeff Gordon, 4.9. Ooh. Point one. Is it Southern Gentleman? Tough contest. Mr. Weber, Mr. Quiglax, do you have any questions for Matthew McConaughey, 4.9? Yeah, I got a, a very important thing to go do. Oh, we won't hold you up much longer. I've yeah, there's a, a super uh, super game commercial coming up. I've got a Matthew McConaughey 4.8, and I'm just wondering if I should update the firmware, or is that going to cause me backwards compatibility problems? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, no, you're going to have problems with backwards compatibility. We're going to squeeze that money out of you. All right, got to go. All right, see ya. Hey, Adam, why didn't you ask Matthew McConaughey 4.9 any questions? Oh, I hate that guy. Oh, I didn't know that. What did he ever do to you? Uh, Old history. The 1.0 version. Well, we've read the history books, so we know. Yeah, you you know. No spoilers, though. It's not worth addressing here. Fair enough. So, speaking of history books, so you've got 
Ender, right? He's a genius. His brother and sister are just as genius as him. And so that's what they do. They take to the nets and uh, take over Earth, basically. As a quick side note, I love that this book was written before the internet was such a big deal. And the idea was still plausible that by making comments on political articles, you could take over the world and not just be a random YouTube commenter that everyone hates and never reads ever again. These kids were like, oh, we'll have reasoned discourse in the comment forums of political articles, and then we'll take over the world. And Mm -hmm. we come to find out, when the real internet comes about, that... um, that will never happen. No one has ever gotten popular, famous, or any kind of notoriety by making random comments in political forums. But it was it was a really good idea. I liked it at the time also, until I saw that every YouTube comment was just lots of swearing. Hate. Hate speech and ads for uh, male enhancement pills. That doctors don't want you to know about. Well, there was one weird trick that the suburban mom found. I did hey, like no, no, no spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The banks don't want you to know about the spoilers. Exactly. And I have a vested interest in all that. Um, yeah, I, uh, apparently Orson Scott Carr just had a lot of faith in humanity that we would have, like, once we can, everybody can talk to everybody else, we'll have a lot of reason, discussion, and uh, nobody will spew hate anywhere but as we all know the real future belonged to the trolls it was a good idea and it it did ring true a little bit at the time it's it's fun to go back and watch old-timey computer stories about what the future of computers is going to be because all that people focus on is all the positive things that can be done with them and in fact about 85% of what humanity ends up doing is making porn and yelling at each other. Sometimes Sometimes at the same same time. time. (laughs) Very true. Well, Ender does hack his classmates' desks and make what's-his-name-is-a-butt-watcher dance around his desk. So that was pretty funny. (laughs) Butt-watcher. Kind of a troll and kind of homophobic, much like Orson Scott Card. (laughs) But the butt-watching theme is something I wanted to bring up. Lots of... It just stuck with me for some reason. You and the Wiggler. Yeah, how's uh, how's that investigation on the Wiggler going, guys? Found the, found the coldest pile of slime yet. So, so we're really warming, warming things up in here. Did you taste it? Uh, I did taste it, yes. Was it sweet, sour... It, like honestly, so I've had a lot of Corellin sweet tea in my day, mm-hmm. and it tasted like a very potent form of that. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's possibly the secret ingredient to make Corellin sweet tea the sweetest tea in the galaxy. Sip, and we're back. Uh, back on the trail here. Uh, no, no major things to report besides cold slime. Okay, it's good news though. That's right. Gotta get that killer off the street. That wiggler off the street. Uh, That wiggler off the pod, as they all say. Oh, I apologize. He doesn't actually kill anyone. He just wiggles on them. 
Oh, uh, wow. That's he he has character. bounties where he gets paid to wiggle on various people throughout the galaxy. I, I know a few websites that do that. Yeah, he's he's prominently featured on several of them. But I just got to take him in for questioning. Oh, I'm sorry. I just assumed he was a murderous person, but that's far worse. Drive-by wigglings are at an all-time high in this neighborhood. So that's why they put me on it. Oh, so he normally he does the drive-by wiggling? Because we're parked vehicles, mm-hmm. so I don't know if this is the place we need to be looking. This is all <laughs> making sense now. Yeah, that's why I haven't caught this guy yet. I'm not exactly the best in the uh, police force. I'm of course, willing might, to admit that. Yeah, He might be like in the cockpit trying to actually make this thing move, which I don't think it has in a very long time. We've never then he, we, can, we can drive-by wiggle. I've never even seen the control, the, the cockpit, so... Sorry, are you guys homeless? No, we live on we the live pod. The, the pod. pod. Right. So, what's your question? I guess it's home. Thank home you. Home is where the slime trails are. That's what they always that's, say here. Uh, that's what say. the wiggler would say. <sighs> this is plot thickens. Andrew Wiggler would say, "The slime thickens." There he did. He just said it. Indeed. Well, my upper torso is through the portal now, so I can use hand gestures. Hey, give us a nice thumbs up. Great thumbs up. Um, Okay, you Ender's Game nerds, what do you want to talk about? I have some things that relate to like a hundred other books that we've read, but I feel like that's that's our yeah. inside game. I was gonna say I have a similar selection of notes. Yeah. Feel free. Tell okay. Run with it. Okay. I've got three other books, John, that I want to talk about. Um, okay. Is is Ender at the end of this book not exactly like Paul Maud Dib at the end of Dune? Um. Explain. He is. So yes, then yes. Thank you. You're welcome. I don't think Dune was actually any of the the references to other books that I wanted to make. I've got two others. Don't out. worry. All right, Let's see those. Um, I think that maybe he's talking to Graf at this point and talking about Ender in all the world audiobook. The name of Ender is one to conjure with the child god, the miracle worker with life and death, death in his hands. Oh, this is when they're trying to get him back on Earth, and his sister is saying, like, he cannot go back to Earth because he, he's essentially become this, like a messiah figure to some extent. Yeah. Um, much like I think Paul Dib was. The other two, though, are Childhood's End and The Sirens of Titan. Yeah. I, well, I want to go back just to add a little footnote on what you just said. Because, yeah, I, I definitely could see that in that... Um, by the end of it, after Ender had, you know, defeated the buggers... Uh, he really did become like his, I don't know, the idea of him became like much larger than his person. And so actually being on earth again, uh, in the stead of his evil sort of evil brother, Peter, um, who could have like used him as a tool in some ways. Uh, yeah, he didn't need even to be alive or around anymore to still be this sort of Godhead figure in the same way that I think Paul Moadib did the same thing. He said, you know, I can't stop this jihad because my name will continue on and I'll be a martyr. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I could definitely see that. So cosine, essentially. Have any of the rest of you read Dune by chance? 
Nope. I, I know the I know the plot. You can listen to our podcast where it explains all of it. In- yeah, I'm sure we give a spoiler like ten minutes in, so you can just get get over with the book really quickly. Yeah. And we also just talked about the end of it, basically. So. Perfect. There you go. But those other two, John, I mean, so Childhood's End and Sirens of Titan, I thought there were some interesting connections in both of those two. I'm going to I'm gonna derail real quick because mine are basically just one sentence uh, moments in this book that, for a stupid reason or another, reminded me of something in the other books. So these will be quick. Great. Uh, page 268, audiobook. A single person, and each bugger is like a hand or a foot. Oh, uh, so I'm not providing context for that, but that reminds me of David from iRobot. Got it. Um, let's Good see. Point. Thank you. <laughs> this is the content that people come to this podcast to listen to. Like, you know what? Some, sometimes sentences in one book are like sentences in another book. What does this remind you of, John? <laughs> what does what remind me of? The Wiggler. What does he remind you of? Uh, sandworms a little bit. Yeah, me too. Yes. Same page. Uh, okay, you do one now. Oh, okay. Page 312. Just kidding. Page 313. The next page. Got him. Welcome to the human race. Nobody controls his own life, Ender. The best you can do is choose to fill the roles given you by good people, the people who love you. Uh, just like in Sirens of Titan, nobody gets to control their own they selves. Nice. Your Co-sign. turn. Um, okay, page 239, audiobook. Once you realize that power will always end up with the sort of people who crave it, I think that there are worse people who could have it than Peter. Uh, reminds me of, I think, uh, which one? The... Um, Restaurant at the end of the universe when they uh, yeah. talk about how nobody who should have power has power and the people who do have power shouldn't have power. Next, Sorry. your turn. Go. Okay. Well, this is what I was looking for earlier on page 312. This is the Valentine? Valentine. How do you all say it? I always said Valentine. Yeah, Valentine. I never said it. I just read it quietly to myself. <laughs> Valentine talking to Ender, what's done is done. Their worlds are empty now and ours is full, and we can take with us what their worlds have ever known, etc., etc. Oh, this is a quote I want to come back to. But anyway, it was reminding me a lot of childhood's end, the end of which all of the all of the little children go up into the hive mind and become part of a collective unconscious, basically a hive mind. I think almost exactly the opposite thing happened in Ender's game where oh that's exactly what i was trying to read where she says cities full of people who live private individual lives who love and hate each other for their own reasons in all the bugger worlds there was never more than a single story to be told when we're there the world will be full of stories and will improvise their endings day by day and they nice good one that's, <laughs> that's all i just have to I, I got one more okay. it is a uh, close it out just an illustration of the difference between this book and anything written by, I can't even think of his name right now, the guy who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams. Um, okay, audiobook. Why is it called Dr. Device? When it was developed, it was called a molecular detachment device, MD device. Ender still didn't understand. MD, the initials stand for medical doctor, too. MD device, therefore doctor device. It was a joke. 
Ender didn't see what was funny about it. Yeah. <laughs> so in, in all of the Douglas Adams books, all he does is just basically tell a bunch of crazy, like, stupid jokes. And this one, it seems like Douglas Adams just jumped into into the frame for a second, and then uh, Orson Scott Card's like, "Nope, not gonna have it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. They share a flat, actually. They share an apartment. <laughs> I would love that to. One. Actually, I wouldn't love to live there. I love to be to live in the same neighborhood, but on the same building. Um, so, what are we gonna call that segment, Brent? Because it seems like one. it's a, it seems like it's a common thing now. It's, Maybe we should call it if we if we have things. guests, let's call it bore our guests to tears. Yep. If we don't have guests, let's call it bore everyone else to tears uh, in, in the, the entire universe. universe. Yeah. We need to come up with a theme song for that. Oh yeah, I was working on it. I was just spitballing some ideas there. All right. It involved beeps and boops. Okay, go. Let's let's try it. Let's play it out. Boy, your guest to tears. And we're back. I think that was good. Yep. So, guess, are you crying yet? No. Trails of goo. You're crying trails of goo? Tears. Not trails of tears. Trails of tears of goo. (laughs) The trail of tears? Trail of tears. Actually, that's kind of a decent segue. Um, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> we're back to genocide about? again. Yeah, we're back to genocide. All right, I know you love it. Oh, yeah, so um, I was thinking of this, like, the faceless other. They always talk about the, the buggers as the, like, awful things. And it just reminds me of certain uh, people and the way they fear monger of the great other uh, in current space politics. And, uh, True. yeah, so I think it's super, super relevant. There's a lot of themes in this book that are really relevant. Yeah, I totally agree. Actually, something that, um, just another quick audiobook quote mm-hmm. that I really thought was super interesting, um, and kind of talks about that too. Like, what are the real differences to one another, and why should we pursue these, um, you know, sort of end games, like these battles that will wipe one or the other out? And uh, Ender was talking to, I, I think he was talking to Graf, if I remember right. But uh, so audiobook. So the whole war is because we can't talk to each other, um, which ended up being essentially true. The buggers mm-hmm. did not speak. They did not understand language. They just sort of instantly communicated through brainwaves and humans had speech. So like the fundamental misunderstanding was in communication. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, then they just like hated each other one had to be wiped out because we couldn't speak to one another pretty interesting that's deep right that's what i provided the podcast just just deep content 24 7 all the time well and that's what's interesting too is that valentine is kind of the overly emotional child she's she wasn't suitable because she couldn't be aggressive enough but she probably could have come to understand them like Ender did. Ender was the only one who understood where the buggers were coming from. And he's also the one who was able to destroy them. So of the entire human race, maybe his sister could have gotten to understand them and would have been you know, possibly passive enough to not destroy them. 
but he's the one who got inside their head, they got inside his head, and then he just happened to wipe them all out, except for the final little egg. Cocoon. Yeah. So it is interesting that, yeah, even if you could communicate with him, you know, then he started to really regret it and understand them and get that it was kind of a misunderstanding that led to this whole war of annihilation in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I mean, that whole idea that Ender said something essentially like, well, yeah, the the moment at which I really hate these people, the, the buggers or those couple kids that he beat the crap out of, that's the moment that I actually also really love them the most, and 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 then I destroy them. Um, but I, I think that that is really interesting. That at that the reason why Ender was the chosen one in this book is that he was able to empathize with them simultaneously while causing their destruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to point out. Oh, it's really awesome that we can have a protagonist, like a chosen one, without there being a prophecy or some other uh, cliche um, mm-hmm. thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That he's the chosen one because he's just good, and then he was chosen. Yeah. I don't know. K- kind of on. It's, on it's a fresher point. breath air. It's a. <laughs> yeah. Fresh yeah, breath. I love that breath air. Yeah. It's a. <laughs> So that's, that's a breath of fresh air. That's a lip portalism. Fresh yeah, yeah. breath air. Um, but yeah, I'm like sort of both of your guys' points, or everybody's points there. Um, I think it's interesting to think how Ender was the best uh, of the three for this particular goal that obviously all the adults in the story had in mind, which was to wipe out the enemy. Uh, so, you know, hypothetically, if Valentine would have been the chosen one, maybe they would have been able to come to a nonviolent resolution, yeah. which is not, you know, what the adults wanted. So Ender was the perfect one to fill this role, but maybe not the perfect one to provide the optimal outcome, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it just, yeah, it depends what, what, you're, what you're after. And obviously, yeah. as we've discussed already on the podcast, genocide is... A okay, so Ender was right. Definitely, what some of us are after. Yeah. I mean, when children do it, when adults do it, it's wrong. Uh, but when we convince kids to do it, it's cool. They're just so adorable. So, kids thank you for finally aside. taking that stand. <laughs> kids, somebody had to say it. Most adorable things. <laughs> Make the universe great again. Yeah, I was actually just thinking that. Make the universe great again. It's a great quote. Kids genocide the darndest things. What do we think uh, the resolution would be if Peter was the chosen one? He would have just killed everybody in the battle school, and then it would have been over, and the buggers would have came back and killed everybody on Earth. Yeah, I think he was so aggressive, he wouldn't have been able to effectively kill them all, even though that would have been his goal. He would have wanted to just kill everything, but he wouldn't have been as effective because he couldn't get at it from the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I think even in the uh, the book, Ender, when he's talking to himself, he's like, uh, "Was that? it felt like Peter was coming out of me. Like whenever he kills something, he feels Peter. Whenever he feels love, he feels Valentine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Classic third stuff. 
Hey, Adam, I, this, sorry, this is a little bit of a tangent, and I know they aren't allowed, but um, when you said you were really pleased that it wasn't a contrived, like, um, there's a prophecy, whatever, whatever, you're the chosen one, when I, I made a note here, my copy of the book is 324 pages, I made a note on page 316, where I was like, oh no, if the ending goes this way, I'm going to be pissed. And it didn't quite. So I know I was talking about this. I've talked about this on the podcast a lot. I know I talked about it last episode with iRobot. Um, the thing that, I say it jokingly, I wish every book ended this way, but I actually hate it. It's what I would call the Hobbit um, fallacy. And it's yeah. when... And it's when the author just finishes a book saying it takes like the main character of the book and then makes them into a writer and they say and you just finished the book about me that I wrote yeah it's how hobbits talk um, and, and there was a moment where I, I wrote down is this going to yeah. be a hobbit ending because for the dead because, yeah and, and Valen, Valentine is she's become a historian and she says to Ender like, I've just got one book left to write, and it's the story of Ender. And I was getting real nervous, but fortunately, it doesn't exactly end that way. So, uh, yeah, we, we barely got by, but we did. Anyway, continue. That's great. That's great. Um, this is making me think of Interstellar. Are we going to talk at all about the movie, or has anybody even seen the, the Next movie? Next step. Yet? You're invited. Sweet. Okay. Don't you dare talk about it now. No, well. I will bring up now that there is an entire trilogy of books after Ender's Game dealing with him in the following years that does kind of take this character who's gone through everything he's gone through and allow him to grow up a little bit and deal with other things as no longer a naive child so no no longer like the smartest kid ever who's also the most empathic you know and now he's genocided a race before and he has to grow up and do other things and it's really neat get a job have Pretty a much. family kind of yeah so the uh, the rest of the Ender books, the next three, are way different. Obviously, he's not just a child getting tricked into things all the time. Um, but they do deal a lot with that, kind of, where does his story go? Huh. What else does he do? And how, how does he live a life affected by having genocided? So, Officer Quigglex, you read those. Mr. Wiggler, have you read those? Oh, yeah. Uh, Adam, have you read any of the others in this series? I haven't, no, no. Okay. Um, I've been suggested to do that, but just for whatever reason, never yeah. went further. Well, the sequel also won the Hugo and the Nebula. Wow. So it's worthwhile. It's uh, widely regarded as a good book. Did uh, On the cover, it says Ender's Game won those as well. Oh, yeah. He's just a powerhouse of Hugos and Nebulas. It's an award-winning author. Indeed, to say. But yeah, those are uh, those are good, and they take a, a familiar character and put him in some other huh. crazy situations, which are a hundred percent different. Really, but still really compelling. Yeah. They take a lot of that same kind of 
I don't know. To me, the intellectual level, those struggles, that nuance, the the decision making, and then just feeling about it, and and really tease it out in other situations, and it's pretty cool. Does Does Ender stay in all of those? Yeah, like as yeah. a character. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah, it's it's the Ender Quartet, but really, I feel like the first book is completely separate from the following three. Yeah. Because he's a child in it. And then the next three, he's kind of growing up. So the, the following three books are kind of like a trilogy that follows the Ender's Game book. He's 35 years old in the sequel. Okay. He well, is. Uh, I, I asked a little bit just because John and I have started reading the Dune series. Mm-hmm. And so the main character of Dune, Paul Atreides, is the hero, I guess, throughout the first one. And then at the second one, he just gets killed off. And then there's like five more books. Um, so anyway, no, it's it's Ender and Valentine is in all three of them as well. So they at, at the end of Ender's Game they kind of fly off to the new planet. Yeah, and then due to the uh, relativistic passage of time when traveling at light speed, uh, Peter is really old. Once they get there. And so they just kind of take advantage of that traveling around. Mm-hmm. While time passes around them, they experience time at a different rate, which is pretty neat. That's super neat. Yeah, it's a cool concept, and it allows him to kind of escape his past yeah. and just be a person, but he still has those experiences. Mm-hmm. Another interstellar uh, similarity. Oh my gosh. That segment's over. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. The segment we have every episode, Interstellar yeah. Corner. Is <laughs> there a song for that? It's yeah. just like Callbacks Corner. Callbacks. Yes, Adam? Yes. <laughs> and now it's time for this week's Listener Challenge. Uh, this week's Listener Oh, hi, I'm your... Host as always, John Love, and with me as always is a bunch of people. Uh, this week on hey, um, your listener challenge, uh, which as we all know is the galaxy's favorite number-based game that you can't win. Uh, so at one point in the book, Ender acknowledges that in order to um, relieve stress, he counts doubles. So uh, that starts on page 43 of my copy, goes on to page 44. Um, so your listener challenge question is basically just to name every double that he goes up to. He might mess up. I'm not sure. But uh, your, the answer is 1, 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, 64, and on. Uh, then 128, 256, 512, 1024, 2048, 4096, 8192, 16,384, 32,768, 65,536, 131,072, 262,144, uh, and on. So if you can, uh, please call in, write in, fax, however you want to get in touch with us, and let us know if any of those numbers that I read off are wrong uh, in the book, uh, then you'll win a prize from Corellin Sweet Tea, the sweetest tea in the galaxy. Sip. Uh, and that's this week's Listener Challenge. Ooh-ooh. Thanks, John, for that listener challenge. Uh, no problem. I'll be honest. 
that would be an easy one to um, get wrong because when I was reading those numbers, I just skipped over that portion. <laughs> yeah, I thought about it too, but then, you know, I'm always on the lookout for any numerical-themed things to bring into the listener challenges. So You're on the lookout my... for Wigglers. For right Dyson. now, yes. And for an numbers. Update. A Wiggler update. Yeah. How's the uh, search, the ongoing search for the Wiggler? Our the segment we have every week now from now on until we find them, or until my twenty eight minutes are up. Is that uh, what you're down to now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe time is stretching. It's relativistic time. Maybe time so our, our spaceship is sitting sitting in in you know in its spot in the parking lot, but the uh, planet we're on is traveling at about light speed. So. Uh, but anyways, the uh, door to what I believe is the the cockpit, which again I've never seen. Uh, the slime trail is the coldest up into that door. There's slime on the handle, Ooh. but the door is locked. Officer so, Greenlax, are you hearing this? I am hearing this. I say we uh, I say we jimmy that door right open, see what we find. And now here's the segment of the episode where we jimmy that door open and see what we find. All right, I'll leave it to you, Officer and Deputy John. Yeah, just a quick update. I tried jimmying it a little bit ago, and then I tried jamming it, and neither did neither had any uh, success. Did you try wiggling it? I don't know how to wiggle. I was just going to jump in. Uh, have you tried Jimmy Jamming it? Uh, yeah, give it no, a Jimmy I'll Jam. Try, I'll try that. Right on. Jimmy Jam, Jimmy Jam, Jimmy Jam. And now click your heels together three times. A, um, wink, a double blink. Really, really briefly, when I said Jimmy Jam three times in a row, a guy that looked like Beetlejuice showed up, but then he ran away. Um, anyways, the door is still locked. I cannot get it open. We'll check back with you later. All right. Uh, what else do we need? What else needs to be said about Ender's Game? I, f- I feel like I don't know. <laughs> we could make this to a segment too, but just uh, an actual sort of synopsis corner for anybody who has no idea what the hell we've been talking about the whole time. One, two, three, not it. Not it. Uh, not it. I didn't say not it. Officer Quiglax, synopsis of Ender's Game, please. Children go a genociding. Uh, yeah, Ender is a really smart, really compassionate kid, so he has to go to space to learn how to fight with other kids. He's so good at fighting other kids um, that he has to fight aliens and... Uh, Save humanity, and he does by killing all the aliens. Yeah. And and now a special segment called Sound Effect Synopsis by Andrew Wiggler. <clears throat> okay, so there's a spot at the beginning where he gets the monitor removed from his neck, and I thought that would be more of a sort of sound. Um, there's a spot where he crushes Bonto's nose, and I thought that'd be more of a sort of noise. Um, the blood from Bonto actually mixes with the shower water and goes down the drain in kind of a kind of a space drain sort of 
you know, kind of like an airplane toilet. Um, let's see. The sound of a million buggers dying in space. Uh, there's no sound in space. Trick question. Um, I think that was the last sound in the book, other than the crickets, which were already mentioned. Um, Good segments. Those were excellent segments. Those need to be on the podcast every time from now on. Well, John. Well, guys, breakthrough on the Wiggler. He was wow. in my he, he was in my backpack the whole time. <sighs> what? Totally what? didn't realize. What? Yeah, I'm the one who actually brought him onto the pod. <sighs> I completely forgot I caught him uh, at the last pod I was on. He's so, so small. He's very small. He has a lot of legs and a tail. I guess I was just leaking goo as I walked around. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <clears throat> Didn't need to Jimmy John's that door open at all. <laughs> you Jimmy John's it? It's freaky fast. Really tried. I don't understand how there was cold goo on the door handle. Yeah, that was me again. I okay. brushed up against it right before you checked it. I was just spinning in circles, flinging cold goo pretty much everywhere. All right. Again, as I often do when I'm on a pod. Wow. We solved the case on the pod, John. I feel really good about that. We still don't know where Dyson is, though. The search for Dyson continues next week on the SFBZBZ. Cosign. So, is it time for rating rating systems? I think unless anyone else has anything that's not a rating to say about Ender's Game. Uh, I have something, I guess. Um, All right, Adam? One thing that, about this book, uh, usually books about kids, child-like main characters, um, you always kind of feel like they're kids, but you, you never treated Ender as kind of a child in this. He's... He's, he just feels like a fully functioning adult. And it's a totally believable universe that he's still a kid, but he's just like a really smart one. And these are the really smart ones. Yeah, no lollipops and baseball cards. Yeah, it's yeah. It's and a that's... reverse Willy Wonka situation. Yeah. Oh, the old reverse wonk. <laughs> totally. I think uh, movies and TV have this way of, like, kids are always super unconvincing because, you know... The kids that are acting are not the kids that are actual child geniuses. (laughs) So you think that Ender was convincing as a kid, is what you're saying? Yeah, he's a very convincing uh, child. Sure. Yeah, I only got that really when he, I don't know, interacted with... Like, I never really saw Ender, Ender the whole time as a child. Like, when he would interact with other kids, they would act more childish. But I, I honestly... That was a little bit tough for me was that it was hard for me to grasp, like get the gravity of like, this is a kid that's doing all this shit for a lot of the book, actually. And I don't think it's any fault of Orson Scott Card. It's just um, every decision he made was so calculated and everything that, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he didn't really feel like a kid to me very often. But different strokes for different folks. Indeed. Yeah. Well, in that case, John... Take a Take look. A look. It's, it's in a book. Rating, rating systems. systems.
so, hi, welcome to Rating Systems. I'm your host, John Love, and with me as always, Brent Aldrich. Hi, Brent. Hi, John. Uh, Brent, so we've got to rate this book. Oh, and guests. Brent, can you explain or can you introduce your uh, guests to me, please? Uh, yeah, John. Today, joining us on Rating Systems is one officer, Paul Quiglax. Just, oh, is he related to Paul Blart? I think so. I think he's like some distant cousin. They have thin blood, both of them. I think they're anemic. Great. But hot off the case of catching the wiggler. Great. I heard about that. It's fantastic. And also, one Mr. Andrew Wiggler, not related. Okay, good. That was going to be my next question, if they, he was related to the Wiggler. And also, it's our friend Adam. Just his little toes are still in that lip portal. Hey, Adam, are you? do you have any relations that you want to tell us about? Uh, No, no, I'm the original Adam. I would have said, you know, 1.0 if I was like a 1.2 or a 1.3, but I'm Adam version 1.0. Great. I'm related to me. Well, nice to nice to be related. I can relate to that story is what I'm saying. All right. So this week on Rating Systems, we have the book uh, Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Who would like to ra- give their rating of this book first? Well, I guess I will since all of our guests are sitting on their hands. Uh, I'll give this book, and I'm partially thinking that maybe we'll read others in the series. I'm going to give it number one. Yay. Um, all right, who's next? I guess I'll give it negative four Wonkas. I give it approximately a thousand wiggler legs out of a thousand wiggler legs, which is really good because I liked it. I can totally relate to that rating system, by the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so sorry, sorry, Adam. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go first here. And then you can take up. You know, you'll be last but not Close least. Out. I'm cool. gonna give this book two legs out of two legs, which, as we all know, is the best number of legs. <laughs> I thought this book was excellent. And Adam, what do you rate it? I'll give it a McConaughey version one. Uh, it's the original, and they only get worse. Wow, high praise all around this week on Rating Systems. Uh, Well, you be careful out there, universe, and remember to take a look. It's in a book. Take a look. It's in a book. Rating Systems. Wolf child. Thanks, John. In that case... Uh, thank you, Adam, for making it nearly all the way through that lip portal to be here again. Are we leaving? I gotta go. You, you just do you. My whole body just got here. This is embarrassing. You can you can hang out and help us find Dyson. Yeah, the search for Dyson continues. Yeah, again, we since we can't find him, we couldn't record our everybody's favorite segment, Seven Worms for Dyson, mm-hmm. where we feed him rare and exotic worms from all across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. We got no better, better be corner. We got no question master corner. No axe to grind. <laughs> Interesting. Sorry, this book is good. I I don't know. I had nothing, no axes to grind against it. But yeah, so look forward to Seven Worms for Dyson next week, Galaxy. And uh, Officer Paul Quiglax, 
and Andrew Wiggler. Thank you both for being here. Certainly. Glad we could catch that nasty Wiggler. Mm -hmm. He is and, nasty. Yeah. And, Actually, and, can I take a peek at him? I haven't even seen him. Oh, yeah. Can we... he's, he's really shy. I've, he's, he's in my back. Zip? Oh! 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 Just wiggled. Disgusting. Zip? <laughs> Get the fuck off our pod. Yeah. Well, All right. if, as, as long, long as you discard, discard that Wiggler appropriately... We would love to invite you back to the next app where we'll watch the movie for Ender's Game and probably talk about it. Sounds good to me. I could always deputize any and everyone who wants to help find Dyson as well. Wow. I've never met this guy. I can't wait. I can't wait either. Well, in that case, we have only one more thing to do on the pod, and that is wrapping it out. All right, let's do it. Citizen Kane. Yo, yo. I feel like that was a pretty good rhyme, but I'm running out of time. My boy Adam coming through a lip portal. When he laughs, you could say he chortles. Uh, Paul Quig lacks, he knows it all. When you throw it to him, he doesn't drop the ball. Yo, 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 yo. Guess rap. Yo, Adam. I hate Matthew McConaughey. Not much rhymes with McConaughey. Yo. He's got a big commercial for the big game. That's not okay. I hate that guy. Wolfchild. Wolfchild. Yep. 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 Rosebud. Wolfchild. See me at the store in all the aisles. Picking up sweet tea want you to meet me in the cereal aisle with the dog men I'm a cereal file I like frog men too they like dog men but a little better and slimier slime trail gone cold find Dyson so old from China 1980s um, what's up, ladies? See ya. <laughs> See ya. I am just a poor boy, though my story is seldom told. I squandered my resistance for a pocket full of mumbles, such are promises. All lies and chess, still a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. Mm -hmm. 
Shame, I am leaving, I am leaving, but the fighters still remain. 